0: gonna press record here. Hope that my computer doesn't die. Give it a little bit of an opening there. And then I'm calling that as being started. What is up to everyone that is going to be joining into this past or present? I think this, uh, it's good to be, it's good to be live. I don't know why it took me so, it, it, it had to take a pandemic for me to really appreciate the breadth of the audience and the people who just get jazzed hanging out, and it's just it's a it's a it's such a different way of interacting than the very produced YouTube content that is like you edit it you put it up and then you just hope that you've said enough in the video for the comments to make sense, but this kind of like real feedback has really really been nice. So I've been enjoying it. I hope you folks haven't been enjoying it. Um, yeah, quarantine is strange. I'm partially stalling to let uh, some more people join in here. I, yeah, we, April 4th is technically our 14-day quarantine from coming back from Asia. No symptoms yet, so thumbs up. Okay, I think we can cut to the chase. i it about a minute or two for people to join in. I am titling this entire live stream addressing depression and anxiety. And I don't think that this could come at a better time for a lot of people. Not because I think I'm a, a great force for good or an expert on any of this stuff, but I think if you're dealing with any of this right now, if it's truly worse than what I'm covering here, if you're on medication or having harmful thoughts, of course I'm rightfully and legally obligated to tell you to seek professional help. I'm not in any way licensed to help with these types of issues. This is kind of one man's log of what has happened to me in dealing with both of these. Um, I don't even know what we are wanting to call them, but um, I basically wanna share what I found helpful. And I'm gonna leave a bunch of resources in the description of the permanent version of this video. and. If it is urgent and you want those ASAP, like you want those resources now, please message me on Patreon or whatever way you find convenient so that uh, I can help, because I got you. So the first real unlock that I had personally on this set of topics is when I heard Tim Ferris speak on the topic, a guy who has of course had his fair share of experiences and he almost took his own life in college he frequently talks about his anxiety when preparing for things like giving a ted talk like the real ted where you know potentially millions of people will listen speaking of that size of an audience when he uploads his podcast he can basically expect millions of people to listen to his performances and then all those people effectively had the ability to give him feedback and i think that would cause anxiety to almost anyone He's just got a lot riding on his performance. And like me and many of you too, he's incredibly hard on himself. And so I think that these types of things can introduce and creep up in our lives just because of our nature. So he taught me that depression and anxiety are essentially two sides of the same coin. And I want to dig into that. It has to do with the way that how we describe these things is just our language is only so limited, right? So the research that is showing that the chemicals that are firing and the areas of the brain that activate when you we use these words in our English language to describe what we're feeling is effectively the same thing. But the kicker is in the context and the timing of those reactions. So I, I, I will explain. Depression, it, how he made me understand it deeper is ruminating, reflecting, being frustrated, and being stressed about occurrences in your past. And then conversely, anxiety is ruminating, reflecting, being frustrated, or stressing about occurrences in your future, things that have not happened yet. And honestly, when I heard this, it blew my mind because it completely made sense to me. And I don't know if anybody uh, resonates with this. Leave it it in the comments. So the next point that I want to touch on that people often talk about when they're dealing with these things is the spiral cycle. Regardless of if you're experiencing depression or anxiety, you often hear about people saying they're spiraling into one of those two things, right? So much of me wanting to make this content and what I was able to do with my recent bout of anxiety is to address and confirm, yes, you are experiencing anxiety and then using the tools in the toolkit that I'm about to discuss to prevent said spiral from spiraling. I want this to be something that you can revisit and almost um, break glass in case of emergency. Maybe you are okay right now, but I don't think any of us are immune to this. I don't think anything genetically prevents anybody from having to deal with this. I, obviously, some people are more predisposed, but when you're suffering like this, let's use depression as an example, and you're constantly fixated on what's happening during a breakup or at your job where you're underperforming or because you're experiencing all of this. And then, of course, you don't perform 100% when you have to give a presentation on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, you start to beat yourself up about that. And then the date that you have scheduled on Friday goes shitty and then your entire weekend is spent ruminating on how bad that date went, that's basically what people are talking about when they talk about spiraling. And for those that are on the anxiety side, your the case study is maybe you're paralyzed by the thought of this presentation coming up because you feel underprepared, which then prevents you from doing any actions to prepare, which compounds as the deadline approaches and it's truly, truly a spiral and it's scary. Um, is my sound off? I hope not. Um maybe there's just a little bit of a lag here. Let's let's go ahead and uh uh yes, I hear a ringtone. Speak and pause. Yep. All right. I'm counting that as good. I have a backup for all of this. That's what I've learned during this entire process. So, if we need to uh divert to another one, um we we will. I'm going to open the chat here just so I can see. What's up, Jake? So, The reason that I wanted to call this what I called it is also to dig a little bit into redefining both because as I was doing my research to talk today, there was a great piece that I will link that talks about redefining both of these terms because uh, as the article said how you label things matters. So Tim talks about in his article he says depression is a negative word and I'm going to read from the blog here. Quote, don't use the term depression. And this might you know of course don't say that I don't have depression when you're talking to a psychiatrist but the self-talk matters. So going back to quoting, quote, don't use the term depression which is loaded with negative and cl- clinical connotations without considering other labels that might be more appropriate. Loneliness or isolation are two common substitutes that are not just more precise, but more actionable. The term depression doesn't suggest a good solution." And I think that's important because knowing that you're experiencing loneliness, anybody can probably action item a solution for experiencing loneliness. Same thing with isolation, right? And I'm going to dig into the equivalence of anxiety if anyone's, you know, wanting that. Because we know when someone is about to go on stage or drop the roller coaster, right? They're at the top of the thing and the roller coaster drop is about to happen. The same protect us from saber tooth tiger chemicals are firing. Regardless, if that person is excited or pumped to go on stage or really excited for the drop of the roller coaster they're experiencing the same things. And I really want that to sink in because I notice it every single day that I personally have to turn on this camera and upload or uh, every single time that that guests start arriving for a dinner that I'm hosting. I feel the same things and I notice fear creeping in. And if I tell myself, whoa, you're getting excited, it's such a powerful reframe because... Then you start to think much more positively and optimistically as opposed to going into fight-or-flight mode. And it completely makes sense for me, at least. I don't know if anybody uh, feels the same. In that same sense of reframing, my cross-country coach in high school told us another really powerful anecdote that I want to share with you here. You can do the same reframe with the words stress and pressure and I think I've shared this with a couple of you in coaching calls, so next time you're telling your significant other or your mom or your colleague at a drink after work, yeah, you know, work is good, but I'm under a lot of stress during service. Swap that, challenge yourself, try to swap that word with pressure. I'm under a lot of pressure. It's the same with the depression definition. The words that we use matter. So stress implies this thing that is happening to me And there's no universally effective weapon against stress, but pressure, at least in my head, how I think about it, implies that it's coming from somewhere. I'm thinking of like those things that smash cars, right? Like those big machines that smash the cars. And you can then apply force backwards to that pressure. So your sous chef is making you feel pressured. And by being more organized and confident in what you pass up, you give yourself the opportunity to rise to the occasion. We all love that right? The hero's journey, someone who overcame seemingly insurmountable obstacles to prove themselves. Pressure allows for that. Stress, at least for me, can be incredibly unproductive. I think of like, what if uh, Frodo got the ring and he said he was stressed? He had a lot of pressure, it, you know, like easily could have been interpreted as stress, but he saw it as pressure and found ways to overcome that. These are just like nerdy things that I'm geeking out about. All right, let's get vulnerable, shall we? These are time for my stories, folks. Let's toggle these down. All right, so I'm setting the scene. Justin is 20 years old. He has recently graduated from CIA. He is coming off of an externship at Per Se. I was the youngest hire on the opening team of Grace. I was the only one on the team that couldn't drink when we went out to bars after work. I had my first legal beer with that team. I moved to Chicago alone. This was 2012. I had no friends, I lived alone, I walked to work every day, I didn't have a commute, I had no car, I had no assets, like I had no financial assets, I had no hobbies. And I think it's important to say that I was making $630 every pay period. And my rent was $1,400 a month. So I was absolutely basically using my income to pay for my groceries and then I was asking my parents for money every single month. So I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself. And my workday was very high pressure. We were going for three Michelin stars. Uh, It was the opening of a very ambitious restaurant. I was running a station. I had three to four dishes on my station. I didn't have a station partner. I was on my own with my prep list. And I was experiencing from what my expectations were very little mentorship. I was basically just getting a demo on, here's how you do this, now do it for 60 people. Go for it. And if you're not set up for service, you we, we don't want to talk about that. And my section that I was working on basically had three people on it. One was super experienced, he was an ex-chef de partie from L2O, and he crushed it. And the, the second person was just as bad as I was, and I was also incredibly underqualified for this job. And we would have critics come in and reviews would happen and all of a sudden my dishes on my station would change. So I, right when I felt I had gotten the hang of things, it would be switched up. And I didn't know how to cope with that. And I wasn't crushing it at work. I, I sucked. I was a really bad chef de partie. And because, if you have been listening to all the background of this, I, that was the only thing in my life. Working at that restaurant was the only thing in my life. I started to ruminate. I would overanalyze interactions that were, ha- that, was ha- that were happening at work. I would replay conversations in my head that happened with Chef Curtis. People in the kitchen would talk shit about me, sometimes behind my back, sometimes in front of me, and I would replay that. I felt financial pressure. Obviously, I included those details for a reason. I had a certain amount of guilt about taking this job. Like, why did you move to Chicago? Why did you leave New York? And I just had expectations that didn't sync up with my reality. And it eventually started to come up on my days off. So my days off started to become the snapshot of what you basically think of when you think depression. Yes, I would go out with coworkers after a Saturday night service. Maybe I would drink a little bit too much and wake up hungover. Those are obviously slow Sunday mornings, but it would never pick up after the hangover would subside. I remember asking my parents for money and I would go shopping on Michigan Avenue and I would fool myself into thinking I was going out to buy fun new clothes, but I was really just taking the dopamine hit to give myself something happy to think about. And then I was also basically disguising the fact that I didn't wanna do laundry, so I needed new clothes. I would spend entire days on the couch I, like the TV wouldn't be playing. It would just be me on the couch. I wouldn't be watching YouTube or I wouldn't be playing video games. I basically didn't actively seek out contact with family or friends. I was not going to the gym. I was not going out to restaurants. I would literally just lay there and think about work. And remember that station partner who was also not crushing it at work? I would meet up with him sometimes and we would complain to each other. And I distinctly remember those days. We would spend three to four hours sitting at a bar, spending money that we didn't have, bitching. We would like complaining about our work, like talking about how our our sous chef sucked or, oh, service was so crazy the other night. And I basically stopped eating, not because I wanted to, but or because of lack of financial stuff, I literally had no appetite. And I would be so flabbergasted that it'd be three in the afternoon and I hadn't eaten anything all day and I still wasn't hungry. And then I would spend the entire entire day being hard on myself and talking shit about myself and how I sucked at cooking. And so then I would rack up a credit card balance going out for food, right? And then I would be depressed every single time I opened my banking app. So you see that spiral start to happen. And I'm so sorry if this is triggering anyone, but that's my truth. That is what was happening during that time in my life. And I've never publicly shared that, and I've absolutely come to terms with it now. I'm happy to do it in this context. I've talked about this uh, with certain people, like your 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 you folks on uh, Patreon during coaching calls. Uh, I have no problem discussing this now. This this has completely scarred over, and I'm totally fine with it. Um, I'm also happy to do it in this context where I'm doing it to give you color on the situation and ultimately be productive as opposed to be complainy. I definitely think that's one of the worst things you can do in life is complain. Um, And I want to share what I did to help myself. So the biggest thing that I can give as a piece of advice for someone dealing with depression, what's up Tim, is to change your environment and your activities. That's what I did. So remix your routine. And it seems so hard because when you're at such a low point, the last thing you want to do is to change things because you feel like whatever spiral you're going in is at least consistent. Um, But right around the time when things started to peak for me, the entire team at Grace was starting to threaten a lawsuit. And I can't go too much into things, but it gave me something to do that felt progress-related. It gave me something to take my mind off of the workday, like the service and the prep, which gave me, I'm arguing, the creative brain space to reach out to David Breeden when he was leaving, per se, and going to French Laundry, which ultimately got me the job at French Laundry. And... Planning for that move ultimately gave me this immense sense of progress and change, which got me to Napa in a much better headspace. And then when I got to Napa, I had a new place to explore and I moved in with John. So then I had a friend to talk to and I ultimately built a community in Napa. And that was more or less kind of like my transition out of that bad space that I was in. I don't think that I would have had the same trajectory I had if I would have stayed in Chicago. And I'm going to get into that in a little bit why. Um, A thing that, and maybe this is advice, maybe this is just sharing sharing my story, it was very valuable for me to know what to blame it on. I had so many people say to me, oh, you moved to Chicago in October? It's no wonder that you got depressed. And that myth got 100% busted when I moved to Bergen, Norway. Because it rains a ridiculous amount in Bergen, Norway, and it's gray, and it's dark, and in the winter, there's four hours of sunlight a day, and it'll, it would rain for four days straight, and it is the most, quote-unquote, depressing climate for people that get depression, or seasonal depression, and I was arguably happier there than I've been anywhere, and I moved to Seattle, for fuck's sake. I love the rain. I personally would never blame how I was feeling at that time on the weather. And it was the, the, the real reason that I've come to identify in hindsight is the, is the fact that I had no community. I was alone. And so in kind of psychoanalyzing myself, that's why I constantly, no matter where I am, strive to build community. And the beauty of it now is that it, it's thousands of people on the internet, so it can follow me wherever I go but i recognize that it's a support system that prevents me from spiraling back into that place i'm so accountable to you folks and i publicly say that i'm going to do these things and so any sort of fit that i could be in it protects me from going into that space again because when like i said when i was in chicago i was so alone and no one was keeping me accountable for any of these things it was all on my shoulders and I don't function well like that. So that's why I want to hopefully productively impart this on you and why I titled it in that way. If I was to blame my Chicago depression on the weather, maybe I would have decided that I should take a trip to Hawaii and no amount of sunshine or ocean breeze would have cured what was going on in my head mentally. So the best thing you can do if I could impart any advice, is to be surgically precise on how you look at what you're dealing with. Know what to blame it on. And the last bit that helped me through the depression bout that I had was to deploy an immense amount of personal accountability. I still don't blame Curtis Duffy. I don't blame my sous chefs. I don't blame my peers. I I didn't blame the government. It was my problem to deal with. And I got myself out of the mud. Yes, I asked myself for help from loved ones, and I made new friends, but I initiated that. For some people, yes, that maybe causes more pressure. Notice I used pressure instead of stress. But to me, it is intensely liberating to know that so much is in your control. You have the ability to make these changes. No one is going to come save you, and I used those empowering feelings to improve, and I think that you can do the same. So... If you just shattered the glass in case of emergency on this video, I want you to know that you're in control. So, continuing to be vulnerable, let's take things a little bit more uh, current and talk about anxiety. So, I want to share something that's a little more top of mind. This happened in February, and here for you folks is the play-by-play. I was making dinner for Anna and I. It was maybe a Tuesday night. It was nothing out of the ordinary. I was making shawarma. It was like chicken, pita, cucumber salad, sliced tomatoes and onions, yogurt sauce, you know. And I just remember stirring the tomatoes that I was seasoning and I started shaking. Like my hands started shaking and I started to breathe really hard and my heart was beating really fast and I noticed that I got some when I got some heavy alone time in the kitchen. When I gave my brain the space, it just got flooded with this intense ruminating on the future, and I was, in thinking about what I was thinking about, I was um, preparing to cook for an 800 person gala that was happening in six weeks at the time. I didn't feel ready for that. I wasn't uploading to YouTube as much as I had wanted, and that was making me feel stress about waking up to comments giving me shit about it. And all this coronavirus news had just started to ramp up, and I was petrified about getting the call that one of my parents, who are super at risk, had contacted the disease. And I was getting questions left and right about my wedding that's happening this fall, and about six other things that just felt like an ele- elephant of pressure. And I was it was manifesting itself as anxiety. And in the moment... It was the first time that I had officially asked myself that question of, do you have anxiety? And for whatever reason, instead of having a mental breakdown, I adopted some of that mentality that I suggested at the end of the depression piece. I took full responsibility and ownership. And I said, okay, cool, because I answered yes to that question. I do have anxiety right now what do we do about this? So the first resource that came to mind for me was watching Matt Diavella go through a bout of anxiety. So for everybody that doesn't know, Matt Diavella is a YouTuber. He's a filmmaker that I follow pretty closely. I basically watch everything that that guy makes. And I wasn't seeking out anxiety-related content all those months ago when he shared his story. Um, and But I went back and I watched this video first when I was thinking about this, I like, I slept on it and then I woke up the the next morning and I was like, Hmm, I think I should do some more reading on this. So I went back and watched his video and it really hit home. So he talks about things like nervousness, overwhelm, playing out scenarios that will happen in the future. And for me, I was like, check, check, check. Like I'm experiencing all of those things. And he credits a lot of that to like just his personal history with ruminating and worrying. And as I started to think, I would constantly like, I I remember going into my mom's bedroom when I was a kid at like three in the morning, because I would have like a book report or a speech that I would have to give the class uh, or a big homework assignment or big exam. And I would go into her room in the middle of the night and tell her that I was worrying. And so after thinking about it a little bit, yes, maybe I have a history of anxiety in myself but I built up these systems to make sure that it doesn't overwhelm me but for whatever reason at this point in my life it was really starting to feel overwhelming for me so I, I I think then I continued down the rabbit hole and there's another YouTuber that I follow named Nathaniel Drew and he is also a filmmaker but he's constantly traveling around the world and he talks a lot about his bout with anxiety so I was constantly feeling like I wasn't the only one, which I also think regardless of what of these two you're categorizing yourself as dealing with, I think doing whatever community research you can do to interact with people that are going through the same thing that you're going through. And that's why I wanted to share these stories because as I start, especially with the anxiety piece, as I started to hear more like, check, like I said, check, check. I'm experiencing that too. It allows you to address it and understand it for what it is and how it manifests itself for you. And so I found that immensely valuable to see two huge YouTubers. And then you go in the comment section and people are sharing their stories. And it's like, okay, that, because the worst thing that can happen when you're dealing with these, like, and Matt D'Avella made this joke, it's not me, it's the palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy, experiences is that you think that there's something wrong with you. Because yes, you're experiencing something, but it's not inherently just you. So Matt has a video that he published shortly after that that I'm gonna link down below that is 21 Steps to Overcome Anxiety. And I watched it and... Uh, the biggest things that stuck, stood out for me and the ones that made provided the most value to me during that time was to not lose track of your routine because I had stopped exercising. It's not that I had stopped exercising. I had just like, I mailed it in and I was going through the motions. And when you lose purpose, it's very easy to try to fool yourself into thinking that doing all this ruminating and worrying is your purpose. That you are protecting yourself by doing all of this worrying when in, in fact, none of this work that you're doing is serving you. So, I think that if you're having any sort of bouts of anxiety, like, okay. So, continuing on the steps that he suggested that I um, took a lot of value from. Action in those moments is the most valuable thing you can do, from my opinion. So in the same vein of like doing your routine and having something you can fall back on that is productive for yourself. I noticed that I'm using the 800 person gala example because I was worrying so much about it and there was so much work to be done on it. And had I just hunkered down and opened my laptop and opened Airtable or whatever piece of software I needed to open at that time and done some work on it. That would have combated any of the anxiety that I was feeling. I think that there are other physical things, whether or not it's depression or anxiety that you're dealing with. Things like sleep. Things like your exercise and your diet. That can continue to... uh, Matt talks about um, his bout personally uh, really affecting um, how he was just getting all of his routine things done. And I like not being able to eat is so stressful because then it affects your workout, which then affects your sleep and it's all connected. And I've talked about this before. So I think if there's any sort of, um, tips that I could give to people, it's in the, in the anxiety example, specifically it's, making sure that you find a way to do productive action as fast as possible. And for whatever reason, it was such a relief to do that. And it was so liberating to know that I could combat this ruminating and worrying with action. And I don't know, for whatever reason, it helped a lot. I am going to start to wrap things up because we are getting to our limit here, at least on the Zoom side of things. Um, I wanted to just check the uh, post here on Patreon to make sure no one has any questions. If anybody is in the chat and wants to share a story or ask a question, um, where is this room that I'm in here? Just gonna check the chat here, if anybody has any questions. Again, this is like just the start of all of this stuff. And I I, I didn't name this overcoming anxiety, curing depression, I literally want it to be a set of tools and stories that you can use to then hopefully either seek out the help that you need to seek out, or maybe it's just as easy as mine, which is like, you just need to do something. You just need to start editing. The idea of you ruminating on people leaving nasty comments about you not uploading is immediately remedied by you uploading and editing a video. Editing and uploading a video. So why would you not just do that? But for whatever reason, when you're in this headspace, it just seems like the last uh, option for any of us to do, which I think can be incredibly frustrating. So uh, I will leave you... Uh, with that, I think that the biggest thing that I want to pitch for next month's live stream, April's live stream is going to be just taken from, uh, I put out a post on Instagram, uh, in a story that was, uh, in relation to what you want to learn during this crazy time when so many of us are either at home and cooped up and not able to do our normal work. So if you aren't already tuning into those daily 11 a.m. live learn streams that I'm hosting, I want to do a bit of a deep dive because there were a couple of frequently asked questions in that domain, so I want to challenge myself in the next three three weeks to take one of those topics, do a deep dive on it, and come up with a deck that I can pitch to you folks uh, for April. But that being said, if you're watching this and you're saying, okay, I saw Project Carlos, I listened to the one on creativity, and I just listened to this one, and I think that you, I would really like to learn XYZ, or I'd li- really like to see Justin deep dive this, Um, Send me in a message on Patreon or send me an Instagram DM or email me. Most of you folks know how to get in contact with me. And I really just, I know it's a hard time. And I'm not going to be prescriptive in any of this that I'm telling you. I'm trying, and it's hard to get those wires crossed sometimes, but I'm trying to share what's worked for me in the past. And so use this toolkit. Seek out help from your community if you're going through some of this stuff, and please stay well. I hope all of you stay well and healthy. Please have a good one. I hope to see you next month.